Happy, happy Friday. This weekend's good for you. Now the holidays are done and now we can start listening to ourselves and not worrying about everybody else. Happy Friday, my babies. I made that song up. It's very obvious that I made that song up. How is everybody doing? I hope everybody had a great New Year's Eve. I know I did. Uh, I ate some charcuterie. Always good. I drank some champagne. $8 bottle. Tastes the same as Don Perignon to me. Also, I watched the New Year's Eve drop, uh, which if you remember correctly, that is how we started last week's episode. It's interesting to see the people who still want to go to New Year's Eve in Times Square now. I I, kind of all thought we agreed. It was bad, but not them. They're there, masked up, kissing through the masks at midnight. Isn't that a fun treat? Isn't that a little weird? I think so. We have a good episode this week. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. Wanna be called me before the episode. He goes, I don't know how good I'm going to be today. I'm worried. I, I don't have anything to talk about. My life is boring. And I said, you know what? It's a podcast. It can be boring. But the point of it is we must continue on because it is, it's, it's about being there. It's not about being your best all the time. And it ended up being one of our better episodes. You know, that goes to show you. you just gotta show, sometimes you got to show up to the game. You got to show up to know what you got to do. We talk about good stuff. We talk about space. Chimpanzees come up at one point briefly, um, hence the name of the episode. We talk about artificial intelligence. We talk about virtual reality, which is a good conversation. And then we uh, Philosophy Corner returns this week. Very excited about that. Always excited about that. The Chinese box experiment, uh, which is a philosophy thought experiment. Very interesting stuff. I definitely will have to... I'm not going to read any more about it. All I need to know is what Wannabe tells me. You know, I hope everybody has a great weekend. I hate the word deserve, but you deserve it. We're living in weird, weird times. And uh, let me just say, I'm waiting for my microchip. Waiting for my microchip. Cannot wait for the microchip. Have a great week. Enjoy this week's episode of Fresco Savage Live from the Interdimensional Bedroom. beautiful squeak just to start off the episode <laughs> fresco how are you doing this week man dude baby i'm doing great how are you i'm doing well i see you've got the headphones over the hood look yeah, going yep, yep it's uh you're familiar with this look you've been here before i think i have been there before a few times yeah yeah very Not comfy first time i've here. worn this it's very comfy and the hood hides my absolute awful hair oh no great. Did you not get time to shower yet today? I have not showered today, but I've been showering at night. Oh, okay. Do you and now do you have like a like a logic behind that? Or is it just part of your routine at this point? Um, so it's laziness. And so what happens is um in the morning, if I if I shower in mornings, I feel gross in the morning. And so I want to shower. Mm-hmm. But then some days you'll put that off. You know, you'll be like, oh, I'll shower of it. I'll get to it. And then yeah. you're not showering till like six, seven PM because then you feel really, really gross. Right. The next morning, you don't feel so bad because you showered. Oh, interesting. Interesting. So things just kind of get pushed back. 
yeah i feel that um i have i have been there before um but for me if i don't shower in the morning that is like my crucial point other than a cup of coffee that's my transition from whatever went on in my subconscious at night like i wake up usually feeling groggy awful negative thoughts spinning then that shower is the only thing that can pull me from that almost almost um without a doubt yeah for me a shower helps with tired eyes like my eyes are always kind of burny unless i shower so i'm essentially i'm just torturing myself (laughs) maybe um maybe you hate yourself subconsciously have you looked into that it's it's not subconscious. <laughs> it is very conscious, very much in the uh, in the frontal lobe. Yeah, um, one of the we we read a book called The Pleasure Principle when I was in college. Um, I should Floyd. probably I should probably read that. Yeah, I'm very. I, I'm very. I feel like I'm very pleasure motivated. Yeah, and I think we've talked about this. Uh, we've touched on it before with, like, the cycle of satisfaction and whatnot. But Freud, he talked a lot about, like, death drive and self-sabotaging behaviors. And mm. I think one of the um, psychoanalysis is his, like, you know, his um his whole deal, his, like, expertise, his field of expertise. Yeah. And I think what the professor was saying with the pleasure principle, I never read the whole book, but um, is essentially that we always get what we want. And so people that are like always complaining or like literally always seem to be miserable um, are either subconsciously or consciously eventually choosing to do that. Yeah, because I believe that. Always seek out. We will like make it happen if we really want it. And so it's that like fo- those, yeah. Like, you know, it's like met- self-fulfilling prophecy and stuff like that. It's yeah. like, they're like, life always never works for me. And then the more they believe that, the more their choices subconsciously dictate that reality for themselves because they, yeah. they can't break free of the matrix. Yeah, and I think some of it is that people love to... I've worked with people who love to complain about how busy they are, and I think it's a way of them to feel productive because they had a parent yes. tell them they were never doing anything or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and I think... Then- I love what you said about Death Drive. First of all, yeah. great movie title. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, like, yeah. But I think about that a lot. I was just listening to, um, it was a podcast about like the first ever astronauts, like the first people okay. who flew rocket ships. Mm-hmm. And you know how they started? It was with chimpanzees. They would put oh, yeah, chimpanzees sure. in the rocket, yeah. and the astronauts. You know, it's like the '60s, so they're they're smoking and they're they're watching the data come in and they're making fun of the chimpanzee and they're, they're saying well we should be able to do this because a monkey was able to do this and the the director or whatever the lead scientist was like the difference is the monkey doesn't know he's on the ship you will uh-huh. know you're on the ship and so that's a lot of human error comes that's where human error comes from because they know that the pos- they could possibly die the monkey has uh-huh. no idea the yeah, the monkey's like I've been in a cage that felt weird. Oh, that's fascinating. Oh man, that's essentially gonna... what he's saying is we complicate things because we know we're going to die because our yeah. our focus is on mortality, even if it's subconscious. Birds. We know that yeah. you know, and that there's so much that goes into that with uh, you know 
pressure for success and money and value and what we do with our free time, it all comes from the fact that we know it's limited. I, you've okay. I'm, sometimes you do this where I, I, I'm processing it so much and I'm, I'm making connections to my own life and I'm at a loss of words. Like this is that I really like that quote. There's yeah. like, oh, that's, and really, that's I mean, awful. if you think about it, I mean, and this comes back to the whole point of this podcast time doesn't really exist the way we see it. And to, right. think, to think that you, you're always running out of time is a waste of a life because I, you should have the courage to set aside a few days to do nothing if you know that you'll be productive at some point. And right. that's where I'm at right now. I'm just like, get all, all ideas of what I need to be or should be out of my brain. I've been practicing trying to do that on like days off. Because what I realized was I wasn't, uh, I've been suffocating myself with what I think I need to be or what I think I need to do. And by procrastinating that, by having that feeling, I never got to rest. I was in this perpetual state of not feeling good enough and that I wasn't doing enough and that I'm no good. And that's not good. That's, that's unhealthy thinking. Yeah. And yeah, I do that too. A lot of my rest time ends up being just yeah focusing on like how much i'm not doing and then that ends up stressing <laughs> yeah. me out yeah but then that and it doesn't make me any more productive yeah no it just yeah, makes it just makes your time well i noticed i was doing it when so i work early in the mornings you know that i work at a coffee shop i work mm -hmm. early in the mornings and so i have a really hard time relaxing if i have to work the next day like mm -hmm. i don't use my time wisely i'm spent so because i have to go to bed relatively early let's say i have three hours of free time mm -hmm. i'll spend two hours of that free time trying a bunch of little things that i think will be the best use of my time and then i go this isn't good enough and i'm like oh my gosh what the fuck am i doing i'm just wasting my time i'm like i'm gonna watch a movie and then i start the movie and i'm like i don't know if this movie is worthy of my only free time and i'll stop it <laughs> and then I'll, and then i'll go to a, a youtube binge and i'll watch two videos i'm like well, what do i want to just spend the rest of my night on youtube that's a way i should watch something like a movie or a document something that's good then I'll, yeah. before you know it i have i should be going to bed in like 30 minutes yeah and then i've but done nothing i've done nothing except yeah. convince myself that nothing is worthy of my time that's awful yeah that sounds terrible um I, for me, it's what I found now is books or audiobooks are the only thing that I know I won't feel like I'm wasting time. So, yeah, yeah so I will read and that's the only, but it's, it's, I don't, I'm not always in the mood to read. Like I'll be, if I'm really tired or mentally fatigued, I won't, I won't read. But yeah, that's like, if I, that's the only thing I can do in my free time, but that's not even really free time and that's not totally shutting off and we need that time to like the only thing i shut off doing is video games yeah because I it's it is you have to be active enough to where you can't think about anything else yeah but it's passive enough that it feels relaxing you know like yeah. you have to pay attention you have to it's fun to do well but at the end of the day, you're not really accomplishing anything. It's really the only free time I get is playing video games because it's the only thing that I that takes my attention enough that I forget about everything else. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And it's um, yeah, I suppose it like feels productive, kind of tricks your brain into thinking you're. Well, the people in charge of these games are like mad scientists. They're yeah. they're like crazy. 
I actually just found out. So there's a thing in like the online gaming community called skill-based matchmaking, which you'll hear a lot of gamers complain about. Essentially what it means is as you get better, the, the computer will match you with other players globally who are at your same skill level. Right. So what I just found out though, is the game that I play and I'm trying not to take this too personally because I do think skill can offset it a bit. What I just found out was they patented a new system like six years ago that it's, it works kind of like skill-based matchmaking, but what it actually does is it, the algorithm or the computer is trying to keep you coming back and playing the game. So if, if you're losing, if you're not doing well, it'll throw you into lobbies with worse players so that you start mm. doing well, but only for a select amount of time so that you have this, like, it's like the parrot pressing the red button and getting a treat, but the treat comes at random times. So you like, you, you keep playing the game thinking you're doing well, like that you, so you're like challenging it's in a way right. tricking you into thinking that you're getting better, but right. really it's just like manipulating. It's just like, it's just like sliding a gauge back and forth on, on your player. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying not to think about that because that kind of ruins it for me. Yeah, but definitely. you know it is what it is. I mean, I enjoy playing it. Also, what they if you spend a lot of money on the game, I guess they throw you into uh, lobbies where of people who are not good, but people who are known to spend money on the game because if they see someone with like a really sick like oh, skin <laughs> skin they bought for their character, yeah, like 20, yeah. and like mutilate them, they are oh. more prone to buy more things because that's what they think makes like that's who they want to play like yeah yeah it's really that's, disgusting it's really disgusting it's awful. awful but brilliant but and that's how they I, make that's why all these free like most games are free to play now there's like a version of every game that's like free to play but if something's free you're the product you know They're yeah just, it's mm -hmm. wild and um what game are you playing do you want to disclose that information it's Call of Duty. I've been playing that game for 15 years. Yeah, dude. My my good friends, I used to just sit in basements and watch friends play Call of Duty. Man. Um, and it just looked like, yeah, it just, it looked so addicting. I mean, it's happening so fast and it's it's frustrating and we'd love to be a little bit frustrated. Yeah, but then overcoming that frustration. Yeah. Right, right, right. That's what, that's what it's all about. <laughs> but last night, I think I got tricked again because... The last, so two sessions ago with my boys, uh, the Crumb Clan, we, um, yeah, K R U M, look us up, we're sick. Uh, you know, a couple days ago we played and we were just playing like ass, and then last night we won four games like almost yeah. in a row. So it gets me thinking now that like this, now that like the glass has been shattered for like how it works, I'm like, did we really win or did they just like put us because I was ripping hard. Yeah. I was doing so good. Like my friends were like, what's going on with you? And I'm like, I don't even know. I'm <laughs> doing nothing different. I, I don't feel like I'm playing any different. And I was pulling down huge wins. Damn. So yeah, you must've been manipulated by the algorithm. And at that or, point, but how do you know, you'll, that's the thing. You'll never know if you're not just getting better. Even if you're not, you'll never know the difference. So you might as well assume that, right? Well, people talk about getting better. People talk about AI taking over and it's already happened. Yeah. We're not, we're talking to robots paying our bills. We're being manipulated in our in the games we play. We're letting a robot tell us 
you know, to wake up in the morning. We're putting so much reliance. It's not going to be like an on-off switch. It's going to slowly just keep happening and happening in the guise of making things easier for us. And then that's a, then that AI is going to get smart enough to realize we're a disease and it's going to wipe us out. Yeah, dude. Have you have you done the virtual reality? Have you played on that yet? No, but I know my, it'll I know it'll ruin us. Yeah, my cousin has had one. I was up at his place for Christmas and you put the headset on and you look down at your hands and now you've got new hands. And I was playing this game where you, that you, you, you have a selection of weapons like you start out at a desk and the desk has got like three guns on it and some ninja stars. And then you see it, the, the game is called Super Hot for anyone listening that might know of it. Mm-hmm. And it was just like a free sample of it. Um, and when you move, how quickly you move is how quickly time goes. So like you've got an enemy right in front of you. So the first thing you do when you enter the new realm, you, you, you're basically set up in this situation. And then there's like four enemies going to shoot you. And you just don't move because then everything is paused. But when you reach for your gun, then the enemy moves as fast as you're moving to reach for the gun. So say that the enemy so you reach for your gun and then you hear a shot so the bullet goes and then you stop moving and the bullet stops moving then you kind of like but if you want to look around that will make the bullet like slowly move oh no right and it's really really cool and it's really hard at first um but it's so fun and i guess there's like so many different ways you could go with that conversation but what i was going to talk about is how quickly i thought that my new hands were like my actual hands my virtual reality hands like i like was scared to grab the bullet with them because you can like block shit with your hands um and i was scared of that because i just thought they were my new hands and then at the yeah your brain was so quick to just sack to just give it up and in the game even so you put that virtual reality headset on and then you enter this like office thing where you're supposed to grab a helmet, a virtual helmet, and put it over your virtual eyes, and then that takes you to another realm. Okay, and so it like fuck with me. yeah, so it's your so brain, meta. your brain is being tricked. Yeah, you're. It really inserts you into a different reality. Yes, and it's like this. Now that I'm I'm touching my face right now, and I'm using these hands, but now that I've already seen how quickly a brain can adjust to fake hand, I, there's just no. I've got no confidence. That any sensation I'm feeling right now or the hands that I'm using are mine. I've got no confidence of that at all. I mean, what are you? That's the thing, man. And the, the very famous uh, philosophical thought experiment of um, are we just a brain in a vat? Are we a brain? Can How do we know we're not a brain in a, a bucket of water attached to a bunch of wires? Yeah, how would – I mean – are you saying like it's kind of like the matrix? Like how yeah, do you, just, how do we know we're not just we're not just this is not a, a simulation really, but like Yeah. Yeah. I don't and know if I, we'll ever know. Yes, and I have not brushed up on I've not read the arguments myself. I just know that that's a famous experiment. I'd love to dive into that. Yeah. Um Well, you know, I <laughs> talked to Sorry, you go. No, that's okay. I the uh, we didn't get to we we like got to ai stuff in my philosophy of mind class and um i believe and we we will talk about something called the chinese box experiment in a little bit here but that but yeah like some of those like a lot of philosophers right now are spending a lot of time talking about ai because there's so much to cover especially ethics yeah well and you have to think 
I, I talked to my friend. I kind of had like a spiral one day and I called my friend about it because, you know, it was like two years ago that like simulation theory came out and like mm-hmm. really heavy, you know, like, oh, we're in a, the mathematics are overwhelmingly against our favor that we're in a, the true reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of had a freak out and my friend had kind of brought me back down to earth or whatever this is. And he <laughs> he just goes, OK, so. Let's say we're in a simulation. What does that change for you? It really doesn't change anything at the end of the day. Like being awake to that, let's say you knew 100%. Does that mean you're not going to go drive to see your friends and hang out with your friends and try to live the best life you can live? No, it doesn't mean anything. You're still going to be operating within the confines of this, you know, this situation. Also, I think you can change your dimensions and realities. As well, based on like what, <laughs> what decisions? Just a you quick make. little afterthought there. <laughs> <laughs> what if, I just imagine like a student writing a paper, and then at the end, the last sentence. By like, the, the way, the I believe you can change like your whales. dimension. <laughs> <laughs> write a research paper on whales, and then, by the way, I think you can change your reality and dimension. <laughs> What's Chinese box theory? Is this a good the philosophy chi- corner? Yeah, and um, all right, roll the, the tape. Dreams, required readings, a philosophy class you had to take to graduate with a liberal arts degree. Listen in as Wannabe takes us down the deep, deep path that never ends into our own minds. This is the Philosophy Corner. Yeah, so um, the Chinese box experiment is um, was conducted, for anyone who wants to look it up on their own, it's, it was written by a man named J.R. Searle, um, and he was... They're, they're, they're talking about it's an it's a thought experiment to um, talk about consciousness and what it is um, as far as like comprehension goes. So I'll just sort of start explaining it. If you were in a box where people on the outside were inserting cards with Chinese symbols to you and then you were supposed to take that card find the symbol in a say you have a book that like Chinese to English. And then what your responsibility is to take that Chinese symbol that you have no idea what it means, read, find the Chinese symbol, find the English translation, and then write the English translation on a card and send it back out of the box. Does that make sense? Was that a kind of, I know. Can you, can you explain that one more time? Yeah. So basically someone gives you a card with a Chinese symbol that you do not I'm know. I'm in the box. It. It's a big box. You're, yeah. And it's like, I guess the box isn't even that important, but you're getting the symbol. Yep. Someone and then you translate it to English. Okay. You write you write the English word on a card and then you send it out of the box. Okay. You have a Chinese input and an English output, yep. but the, mo- the important part is the person converting it does not know Chinese. Okay. Okay. But after a while, say you did this for ten years and you get the symbol for cat and you've now memorized what the symbol for cat looks like. You don't have to refer to your Chinese to English book. You just know that it means cat. So you get a Chinese symbol for cat and you output cat right away. So just to confirm, you're not guessing. You're not guessing. You're using it. You don't, it's that you don't know Chinese, but you do have the materials to find the answer. Yeah. And at the beginning, you find that symbol. You, you say, say the symbol, I mean, is just, you know, it's obscure at first. You've got to look for it. You finally find it. But you do it enough it, times, you know, automatically that's what, that's cat. 
over time you memorize it and real quick you see it and you say that's cat and you output cat is that truly understanding chinese reading chinese and that's the question of consciousness and the material mind is it that we are actually experiencing in uh, experiencing things and reacting to them with um with like uh, our, our ourselves like with a with um in an authentic way or are we simply sort of memorizing certain stimuli and reacting in a way that we know we should i mean i think that's a really deep question i'd love to read up on this more because i think the answer is it depends on who you are it depends right. on it depends on i mean i think a lot of education is about learning the chinese symbols in this situation Right. And, and, and I learning, think and not even just like actual schoolwork, but like how to interact with people, culture and the way yeah. we, we speak to each other and the way when you find out your friend's father passed away and you say sorry for your loss and you like and go to your funeral. Like that's not necessarily you reacting authentically. That's you getting stimulation, reacting in a way that you understand is culturally relevant for wh whoever you're talking to. Yes. And that's why I don't trust people who are super good at math. Have you ever met the kid? I mean, we all had one in our class because wasn't me. Uh, some kid would always just be like, "Dude, just it's that, it's seven. And you're like, "How?" And he's and the kid will be like, "Typical." Okay, I said he, and it's not always a boy, but like that person will be like, um, "It's because like it just is. Like they can't explain how they do it. Like their brain does it for them." And I think yeah, that yeah. there are a lot, and like some people can't really talk to people like it's really confusing for them to interact socially with others and for yeah for us it's, it's just kind of a you can't explain it. you just do it right and yeah i can i i'm that's like the one thing i really have going for me other than my insane talent for uh, making great great tunes is <laughs> um people and community i'm i'm a very effective communicator with someone I if someone I've never met, you know, I could really communicate with them effectively and I may I'm good at reading people and understanding the best ways to communicate with them in a way that they will understand. Yeah. And essentially we've gotten to a point in science where we can find like people who have this part of their brain more developed will typically have better interpersonal skills. People with this, um, like the brokas in the Wernicke's area are responsible for listening and responding. So like they might if you know, if you have that part of your brain um damaged like your broca's area you can't you can't speak fluently right so what that means is that certain parts of our brain certain sections of our brain are essentially like little like software it's like it, it's we like are customizable yes and it's like software um little programs like you know we have different i don't know my software well enough but like i know everyone shits on like windows vista or whatnot and like yeah. you have mac software that's like more um better at fighting off viruses and so essentially our brains are are like these little computers but the only thing different is that they can change themselves which is fascinating mm. fascinating and that's neuroplasticity but you can't change them like all that quickly and and a lot of people choose to like drink and smoke and so you're changing them to be shittier and not necessarily shittier it's just that like the way that we have the way that our society is is formed at the moment drinking and smoking will typically lead you to not be as productive or have like a shorter attention span which in our society is considered bad typically i think i i'm i agree with you 
as someone who's a heavy drinker, I think that I there's no <laughs> way it there's no way it doesn't affect you. Yeah. And not not necessarily in a in a negative way or a bad way. I don't want to go ahead and claim that, but like it definitely I mean, we all know a kid we went to high school with who started smoking weed and then four years later was a different person. Yes. Like whether it's good or bad is up for debate because I'm sure there's plenty of productive people who are alcoholics and stoners and drug users, but you can't say it doesn't change them a little bit. At least it like, we know those people. And in the, yeah. And with the way that our society is currently set up, typically it doesn't seem to bode well for those people. Yeah. Now, whether or not that's good, I I don't know. I I think you need whatever the society is you need, you need, both people swimming upstream and downstream and yes. that's lately i've really felt like i'm swimming upstream against you know societal norms it's been very exhausting because it, it really does feel sometimes like the world is just pushing you back yes have you ever felt that yeah man i mean to to get a little bit more broad right off the bat like we like Karl marx's idea of communism was based around his studies of Epicureanism. And Epicurean, Epicurus was a philosopher, an ancient Greek philosopher, who was just trying to figure out, he spent his whole life trying to figure out what truly makes people happy. So yeah. Karl Marx studied him, and Karl Marx was like, it's capitalism and like working all the time and not doing what we love um, that is making people unhappy. So his so, uh, Marxism as a theory was supposed to just be a theory to like provide mass happiness. And yeah, I think but that's what I think, you. but I think that's been proven to be not true. Right. And, and I'm not saying that Marxism is like uh, end all cure all. It's just like, that's that his idea was, look, we have to go out and get a job. And ultimately pe- a bunch of people are doing jobs they don't like, and yeah. that's not producing a lot of happiness. Yeah. I don't, and I don't know how to produce more happiness. Right, but and, I do, I do feel like making people buy into a system they don't necessarily agree with, but then trick them into feeling like they're lucky to be a part of like a corporation and have a good job so they can pay for a family, and so like essentially what it seems like is you're not doing enough is like that's like the bread and butter of our our like society is like you're not good enough, be better, and so like that seems to me like the inner DNA of it, and I don't know if that breeds happiness more than it breeds shame. And maybe people right. react to shame the same way that they they want to be happy, you know, in, in opposite ways. But it just seems like we're really repressed. Um, it's why you see a lot of affairs happen mm-hmm. in offices and stuff like that. It's because I think people are really repressed and they've been doing, like we talked about this, input-output stimuli for so long, they've forgotten who they are as people. Mm-hmm. And and exactly. so then, then they get horny when they see their... their co-worker in the copier room and they it's like a little it's a reminder that they're a human being and all of a sudden they're like i need to have sex with that and then they follow that because it feels so authentic in the moment and then they come they snap out of that reality once you know the coming happens they they snap they have that you know post coital uh you know reality (laughs) shift and (laughs) and then they're like oh shoot like i have a daughter in college you know my I, I, I can't just, oh my God, what have I done? And then what I've found is when people feel shame, what they project outwardly is success. 
and and how good they are because they feel so dirty on the inside. So right. what does that lead to? Better performance at work, better being a better mom for your family. I'm, I don't know why I'm saying mom, but I'm just using it as an example. Mm-hmm. When people mm-hmm. feel shame. They're more productive. And it seems like the entire DNA of our culture is set on this inner feeling of shame, but this fake outward feeling of success. And so that's what that's what's driving the system. And that leads to no happiness. Right. That's no satisfaction because when you feel shame, it, that, that doesn't go out. That's yeah, right, that man. just can't. That was divine intervention. I didn't. <laughs> that wasn't shit. me talking at all. <laughs> yeah, dude, I think you're right on, and that's why I'm always skeptical of people. People like people who are hyper productive. I, I'm, I, I'm skeptical. They probably and I hate themselves. They're not. They either hate themselves or they really love what they're doing, and I try not to cast judgments but it is like a little thing in my head room it's it's not always people that are hyper productive it's the people that need to be recognized for being productive so i've yeah i worked with somebody like that i had to manage somebody like that and you have to you have to like go out of your way to communicate validation to them yes yes i had a roommate i had a roommate who would send a group snapchat every single time he did anything like wash the dishes clean the like vacuum the whatever and then (sighs) So that made us mad because we had to validate him. And then he thought that because he wasn't getting Snapchat back of us, like cleaning anything, he thought we weren't doing anything. (laughs) He thought we weren't doing it. And it's like, dude, just because we don't send you a Snapchat every time we don't do the dishes doesn't mean. And it's all like we are raised like in grade school to get credit for everything we do. And that's my least favorite part about our society. I think the, the the joy, the simple things, like really enjoying the simple things in life has to do with not getting credit for it, not being seen doing and it. And some things are just for you to feel. That, uh, exactly. Same way. So like this is this comes back all the way to like Instagram culture and stuff like that. Sometimes a moment of beauty is just for you and you should hold that special. I remember this specifically when we were filming the fine music video. We're like 30 miles from Canada, right? I'm sitting in this cold lake. After, you know the shot where it's like me in the middle of the lake and I'm like floating? Yes. So yes. I'm just Phenomenal so that shot. lake was like 55 degrees. It was incredibly cold. Yes. Uh, so like we would jump in every day me and yacht daddy just to like wake our systems up but it was like you would go in and then you'd come out of the water and you're like (sighs) like it was insanely cold um and the last day of filming when we filmed that shot the drone died you know when we were getting the shot so he's like you're gonna have to chill for like 10 15 minutes and i was like it's not worth swimming i was like maybe 300 feet off the shore you know so we could get oh shit so like i was out there yeah. You know, so I was like, I'm not going to go swim back in to swim back out. I'm just going to like yeah. deal with it, deal with the cold. Your body eventually goes very numb, which is kind of scary and weird. Uh, but then all of a sudden, so this was late May, you know, the last week of May. So it's like springtime and a big, so the Canadian goose was migrating back up North because they migrate North for the summer and South for the winter. Mm. And all of a sudden, the sky had like 2000 thousands of geese. And wow. I was like, I was like, yeah, daddy, get the camera. And he's like, it's dead. And then I had this moment of realization. I was like, I don't have to share this with the world. Even yes. though I am now selfishly, I don't have to <laughs> share this with anybody. And I remember I was sitting in the lake cold as hell. And I went, this is just a treat for you. Just soak it in. This is a treat for yeah. you. And it was beautiful. Sun was going down. It was just like, 
I can't tell you the amount of birds I saw at one time. It was it. They looked like there were so many, they could have been like a swarm of bugs or bees or something. I mean, it yeah. was, you're like, usually you see like 20 birds and you're like, yeah. that's a flock of birds. But seeing this massive migratory flock of birds work in this huge system, you're like, wow, that is incredible. And it was so beautiful and cool to just take that moment and just be like, this is a treat for Fresco. No one's ever going to get like, it's just for me. And that's sometimes to me more special than like wow. something that you can take a picture of. Yeah, of course, man. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm all about that. I think that that just enjoying that is just like the way that we pull our phones out right when the food comes immediately. Oh, just that's such a good that, line. Ugh. It rips us, it rips us of the apart joy. from the food, from the person we're eating with. It rips us from, you know, you're, and then you're thinking about immediately wh- how, who's going to see it, how you're, good you're going to look, who's going to be jealous of the food you're eating. And then it just completely rips you out of that moment. You never get to fully enjoy it. It's just for the yeah, sake man. of putting it up for everyone else. <sighs> it's like we're all living within our own pride of lions. Our life is our pride of lions, but we're letting the phones eat first because that's the dominant force in our lives. Yes, like recognition by others that we don't Validation. Need. I have Ugh. 750 followers on Instagram Flex. and I, there's no <laughs> way, there's no way that I have 750 friends. Also, no are, are you, are we just, is Instagram and Facebook, has that just become like the way people interact on there? Has that just, has that just become a new Chinese box where somebody posts a selfie and you say, Oh my God, you're so beautiful or you're so attractive or you like it based on, the stimuli and not that you actually like it. It's almost like yeah, there's an expectation to be kind to people. Yeah. I mean, think about not even the comments. Think about liking someone's photo when you're going through. Have you ever speed scrolled through Instagram and liked the photos just because you want to? You, well, a lot of I'm different. Lot, so like I know what you're talking yeah, about, but I don't yeah. get Instagram. But I know that that's yeah. what people do. Like I've seen people scroll and just like tap, tap. Tap tap, tap everyone tap because you want to get you don't want no one cares about like no one's like oh my gosh i need to let sally know that i like her instagram no it's about i need to have sally think know that i'm liking her instagram so that way i'll get a like back in exchange do you think that's what it is though yes 100 percent. like no one is speed scrolling because why would you speed scroll not even see the picture and then make sure that you let someone know is that you it like so, is it so that they so you get a like back or are you doing it so they know that you see them and that you saw it. But why would it matter if they know that you saw it, if it wouldn't come back to you to benefit you in some way? Right, right. And also and then, algorithmically, if you're interacting with somebody's um, profile, you're going to see their stuff in your feed more. Yes. So if, some, if someone likes your photo, you'll probably, and you like mutual follow each other, you'll probably, they'll probably see your photo if you posted one the next day. Yeah. It, and yeah, it, 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 people pay attention to that shit about who's liking the pictures and who's not like checking yeah. those. I, I'm, I'm very far removed from that. Cause I don't understand Instagram. Like I understand Facebook. I just, I got on Instagram late. And so it was never something that was ingrained in me, like what Instagram is. So I have a hard time understanding it, which is why I don't use it as much as I probably should. Yeah. It's, um, it's definitely an interesting app, but if you use it as a scrapbook, as a virtual scrapbook for pictures that you just enjoy of yourself, um, I think it is a very fun, powerful app. And like, I like to go through, enjoy people's pictures. Like I, 
I'm from a small town, so I see people get engaged, and um, and then next time I run into them at the grocery store, hey, I saw you were engaged on Instagram. You know, it can be like, a, like an actual tool for your social life if you want it to be. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I use it as a way to disrupt other people's timelines. Like if they follow me, I'm gonna post things that are weird, <laughs> and then and you're gonna forget that you're gonna. I want people to go that's not how you use instagram and then maybe enough they say that enough times they think well what how do you use instagram and then they they think twice about like why are we using it a certain way you know like i like to disrupt the platform that's why right. you'll see there's a, i have an instagram of me talking about uh baked beans with onions and that's what i'm eating for dinner and it's just stupid and the reason is it's like what is this game we're playing what is this show we're putting on who's watching why are we why are we participating you know some people are just blindly participating in this in this show yeah that has that it, there's no purpose for yeah and it's definitely it's great to have people like that around and some people hate that and they can't handle it and that's what you call normal people who have been brainwashed into normalcy by our society and then you get into the my my thing is like did you ever have a kid growing up who just loved like the normal stuff, like uh, like I don't know, Boy Scouts, like yeah, uh, anytime where there was like a lot of rules or I call those people pocket. vanilla. They're very vanilla. Vanilla people. Sometimes I think that those people are winning because all of the rules, yes. all the structure, truly brings them joy. I, they they they're definitely happier than us. We're like we're in a goddamn simulation, and you know yeah, what? Right. There's. They're, they're, how do we get out? I believe that we right. can hop realities. <laughs> Why are people right. making money? Money is a construct. Time is a right. construct. They're right. much happier than me. Right. Constantly questioning our society is not a joyful way of life, but in some ways I feel as if it's a responsibility. If you yes. have the thought. Can't I, can't, I can't stop. And maybe it's just a, a problem you and I have, but at least we have each other and this podcast. Yeah, and with that, we have 30 seconds. Do you want to close <sighs> with anything? I hate I hated going bowling in Fayette. I thought that was the stupidest thing ever. Yeah, we um one time I farted during yoga and blamed it on the girl next to me, Laurel. And everyone believed me. And also I think you can change realities and dimensions. And by the way, uh with that being said, you can change your realities and dimensions. We'll see you next week. Time is relative. Peace. Are you gonna call me? <laughs>